Welcome to The Anchor. Please join us for the next 15 minutes as people from our region share their stories of hope and overcoming life's difficulties. If I told you my story, you would hear hope. They wouldn't let go. Welcome to The Anchor. I'm Deb and, and my partner Rhonda. And today I have the real blessing of interviewing and talking with a, a man of our community named Pat Norton. He's a husband, a dad, firefighter, engine driver, a leader at the landing in Greenfield, a speaker and a teacher. And he's come with a story to tell, a story of hope that your past does not have to determine your future. And so Pat, welcome to the anchor. Thank you, Deb. Um, as Deb said, my name's Pat Norton. Um, I am 48 years old, and uh, I've had the opportunity to share my story on many occasions now. And uh, so uh, thanks for the privilege of, of doing it today. And I guess I'll just get right started. Um, I am the youngest of four kids. Um, I have an older brother and then two older sisters. And at the age of three, uh, my mother and father um, separated. My father left my mom with four kids, uh, and he sent her a card from the Philippines where he was in the Air Force, and he was uh, TDY. And the card had a picture of him with two Filipino prostitutes, under each one under each arm, and he said you could date around if you wanted to after about 23 years of marriage. And so it left my mother in quite a predicament. And uh, another interesting fact about my dad was that he was a horrible alcoholic. And uh, part of that was because of the extremely abusive uh, childhood and background that he had come from. And so my mom didn't know what to do. My father, when he would go to the field, uh, he would just forget that he would have a family. And so she would have to go to the base commander and uh, they would have to get in touch with his company commander and he would take them to Western Union and make him wire money home so we would have food to eat or, or what have you. And he was such a bad alcoholic that I think maybe he wanted to hang on to his money so that he could, he could pay for his booze on his, his time off. Um, he was the type of guy uh, that he would have to go into the bathroom and stick his finger down his throat to expel uh, the alcohol when his stomach was full so he could just get more in. Uh, I don't know if that was because of his tolerance level and he needed to be able to, to, to get more in to get to a level of numbness. And after knowing my father's story um, through my mother, there was a lot that he was trying to, to make go away with alcohol. But uh, he found out just like everybody else does who's in that situation that sorrows uh, can't be drowned. They, they have a better opportunity to swim when people drink alcohol. So my mom, she uh, packed us up and moved us back to the area that she grew up with in, in, in rural Appalachian Mountain, Pennsylvania. Uh, we were actually in St. Charles, Missouri when my dad had left us. 
and we lived in a small trailer in a trailer court behind a skating rink in St. Charles, Missouri. And so she packed us up, and uh, my uncle Darby came from Pennsylvania to pick us up and bring us back to Pennsylvania. So shortly after we got to Pennsylvania, my mom decided to, to go to the church for help. And so she went to a little church in Rollette, Pennsylvania, and... Um, it was a very, very awesome community of people, a very caring group of people. And, uh, so once we moved to Pennsylvania, that same cycle of my father not sending any money or anything like that continued. And so there were, there were times that, uh, the cupboards were bare. We lived in a trailer in a trailer court there that was uh, surrounded by hay bales that didn't even have skirting. And uh, the cow pasture almost encircled the trailer that we lived in. And so we would wake, every, wake up every morning of the cows mooing, waiting to be milked. But um, we, we would run out of food on numerous occasions. And uh, I would remember even as a young child, the knock on the door and a car speeding away and you'd hear the, the tires splashing in the mud puddles and you'd go out on the, the little landing that was our front porch and it would just be full of groceries. And so um, even then God was looking out for us and, and uh, making sure that, that we didn't go hungry. Um, I tease my sister sometimes when we talk about those days because... Um, it's pretty gross eating cornflakes with water and sugar because you didn't have any milk. And, and those are days that I remember. And uh, even though they were, they were tough, um, they mean a lot to me because I know how God took care of us. And so um, we continued to go to that church. And my older and brother and sister hadn't come home with us when we moved back. It was just myself and my sister Tammy. And so my mom bought bus tickets and sent for them. And uh, my brother was working in a factory at age 13. And uh, he was making as much as any uh, adult male was making, working in a cabinet factory. And, and my sister was actually a, a receptionist um, in a, an Air Force's recruiter's office, and she was getting paid for that. So she didn't know if they would even come home. And uh, they actually did. And the, uh, the, the, the youth group at the church uh, really accepted them and my brother, and they wanted to share with them God's love. And uh, I remember my brother coming home one night after we'd been there for a while, and he was just super excited that uh, that night he had started a relationship with God. And uh, he, had, he had asked God to be a savior and to forgive him. And I remember how excited he was, and I wanted that in my life. And so I was my brother's first convert, so to speak. And so he shared what had been shared with him, and uh, we knelt on the couch and we prayed together. And so, you know, you would think that, that after all that happens, you know, we... We have all these people that tell you that once you come into a relationship with God that everything's going to be hunky-dory and okay and, and uh, just butterflies and roses from here on out. But 
that's really not the story that's in the Bible, and it really wasn't my story. Uh, so my mother um, would struggle trying to support us, and at one point she even ended up in the hospital because uh, she was just became so sick and ill from trying to work. She did not. She was proud, and she didn't want to accept uh, government assistance. And so she ended up in the hospital at one point in time. And so she didn't want to do it, but she finally um, accepted the divorce from my father just so that she could get um, a consistent amount of help for her family. And so she did. And uh, my, uh, my mom continued to, to work, but, you know, now we were getting some assistance and so um we would have better meals like spam and and uh, grilled cheese with the uh, government cheese that you would pick up at the local fire hall and tomato soup and and uh, sauerkraut and wieners and all the staples that, that that you know very poor families would have that they would go through and uh, i really don't care for pancakes to this day because we ate them so much for supper when i was a kid but uh, all those things um, just would would work out. And eventually my mom had met somebody and uh, they started dating. And uh, so that, that particular summer, um, I think I was about eight years old, and uh, she wanted to uh, spend some time with him. And I think she wanted some time alone. And so she thought it would be a good idea for my sister, Tammy, and myself to go out and visit my dad. My sister had already left home, had gone back out there, and she had met a man, and they were going to be married. So we would go out for the wedding, and she would leave us, and uh, we would stay the summer and then come home back to Pennsylvania. And so my sister and brother-in-law got married, and I remember that well because I got to light the candles at their wedding. And... Uh, so they left for their honeymoon right afterwards, and my dad brought us home to his apartment, my sister and myself. And so this was the first opportunity that I had had to spend any time alone with my father since I was three. And so my very first experience was him uh, sitting me down with a stack of, of Playboy magazines that was about 18 inches tall, and he said a six-pack of Coors beer uh, on the floor right next to it for me. And so at that point in time, I didn't have any idea that that was classic behavior for, uh, for pedophiles. And so um, that entire summer that we were out there and while I was alone with him, my, my, my father kept pursuing me in, in more of a sexual manner. And I would resist and resist and... Um, we went to stay with my uncle Vince while we were out there and we were at his house and um, one of the interesting things about me when I was a kid is that I was a very 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 heavy sleeper and uh, so I would sleep once I would fall asleep I would go into a deep sleep and there's a story that's told my mom's brother my uncle Joe would actually pick me up and stick my head in a freezer and I wouldn't even wake up and so it was a big joke about how heavy I slept. And so my father and his brother had gone out uh, and they were drinking. And uh, he came back and we were actually staying 
in the same bedroom uh, in my Uncle Vince's house. And so I woke up to my father was raping me. And I remember fighting him off and him falling back onto his knees onto the floor. And uh, he threw his head back and began to laugh. And it was a, it was a, it's a, obviously a traumatic experience for me, but it was just uh, that laugh was the most evil thing that I had ever experienced in my entire life. And so after that, I, uh, my sister Tammy was out there, and I had told her what happened, and I went out to sleep on the couch the next night, and she was to watch over me. And so I woke up in the middle of the night, and she had gone to bed, and she wasn't there. So the next day, I went down into the basement, and I built this fortress of furniture and chairs and everything and that I could only crawl back into. And I took blankets and a pillow, and I built myself a little pallet back there. And so the rest of the time that we stayed there, um, I would sneak out of my uh, the bedroom that I was staying with my father, and I would crawl down into the basement, and that's where I would sleep at night. And uh, it was it was the safest place for me in the basement. So... Um, we eventually had come back home and, uh, I went and tried to tell my mother, uh, what had happened. And my sister, I remember we were a rough family. So my sister punched me in the mouth. I mean, as soon as I started to say something to my mother. And so I just locked it away after that. And so, so after that situation had happened with my father, um, I became very bitter, and um, I just constantly wanted to take that out and get, and get that anger out that I had for him, and so I began to, to fight a lot, and um, unfortunately, I can remember beating my first person into unconsciousness at the age of, of nine, um, and he was 12 years old, and we had gotten into a verbal argument, and I just just went off on him. And uh, that was always an outlet for me um, when I would start getting into fights. Um, I didn't see that person anymore. I really just saw my father, and I was trying to, to punish him for what he did, did to me. And uh, it was a very, very... Uh, um, confusing time in my life but um it was almost like a uh, a bloodlust for me to to seek out and get into fights because i to some degree i felt kind of better after it was over with because it was an opportunity to express what i had been holding inside unfortunately we're running out of time uh, for our first part of pat's story and I hope that you'll listen next week as Pat continues his story. There is life after all this. Obviously, I'm talking to a gentleman who's now 48 years old. This started when he was a child, a small child. And there's much more to his story. But I want to encourage you today that there is life beyond the hardship. And the answer is Jesus Christ. And no, it's not, it's not a bed of roses, like Pat said. But... Jesus is the answer, and there's people out there that you can talk to, such as at the landing, 
if you're between the ages of 8 and 13 and you need an outlet, you need somebody to talk to, there's a place for you. There's a place at at churches for you to talk to. Don't let it linger um, as Pat had to let it linger. So thank you for tuning in today to The Anchor. And next week, please tune back in or go to Facebook and continue to hear the story about Pat as, as he, he overcomes with the help of Jesus Christ, with the power of Jesus Christ. He overcomes his past and moves into God's future that he had planned for. Thank you. If you would like to know more about resources mentioned in this, this interview, is possible ministry opportunities, or to tell your own story on the Anchor, email us at anchoredintherock at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.